Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. I mean, I'm real excited for this. Week. <laughs> it, it, it might be the best episode of the podcast ever. It might be the worst. But this week we're talking about the infamous, much maligned musical adaptation of Dear Evan Hansen. This movie stars Ben Platt, Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, and then a bunch of people I don't know. Based on the Tony Award winning, extremely famous musical, which is based off a book entitled Dear Evan Hansen, where a young boy with a therapy assignment goes horribly wrong, ends up lying a lot about a dude's suicide and how they were friends, inspiring people to, you know, be honest about their mental health issues. I don't want to talk about more about the end. I don't want to talk about the ending because it's drastically different. Interesting. Uh, I do want to talk about that when we get to it, but kind of I want to go back to one of the first things you said. So this movie, both before its release and after its release, uh, was both not anticipated and not received well. <laughs> but I'm I'm curious because they made a movie out of it and you say it won a Tony. Was this musical popular? Oh, yeah, it's it's very popular. Uh, well, I say popular is not the right word. Was it critically? I guess it was. I mean, it won a Tony. That is the the critical acclaim you can get for Broadway. I actually have no idea if it won a Tony. I just thought that. Oh, fucking you piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, you said it with authority. I know. I loved it. it. Uh, That's that's what I'm I'm curious about. Either whether something was lost between the stage adaptation to the movie adaptation that made it like not as critically well received or if just like the type of audience that sees musicals versus like the general movie going audience have like you know, different values and expectations. I don't know. I just think that's really interesting to me that it was so popular in one. And I understand like, you know, part of it is like the transition from stage to screen. But personally, at least from what I've seen is like, I don't feel like this would be great on stage. So um, you know, first I, off, I, I just want to say before you go hurt, it did win Tony's. So okay, good. <laughs> not wrong. Uh, well, I was just going to say, and I can't believe the first thing I'm going to say of this is kind of a defense, but I would bet there's something to the surrealness of watching a stage production of something sure. that sure. lends itself more to watching this than just looking at this cringe fest in your living room. <laughs> We've kind of already, already sort of done it, but what are our general impressions off the bat? Oh, it's bad. It's it's <laughs> um it's really bad and it's really hard to even like I try I really wanted to give it a fair shake. Like I knew going into it the reception, but there's no defense for it. And it's and it like and I like cringy things, right? Like when I rewatch The Office, I watch Scott's Tots. I don't skip <laughs> it. But it's still somehow worse than that. And both the show and the movie let Evan off the hook. And I think the movie does it worse. Um, And I think that's kind of backwards than most people would probably say the show does it worse. And when we get into spoilers, I can say you talk about how that is. I do want to talk about that because I I read that and I was like, huh, I I wonder how they, you know, changed it from the stage to the, the movie adaptation. The only other thing really, though, and I hate this term, so much but there's that bit in the dark knight rises when bane is talking about like being born in the dark and all that stuff it's that but that but this movie in the uncanny valley like you just there there's something so hard 
to describe how this movie looks and <laughs> just like ear. It, it almost feels like a mid oddies, like rich white kid party movie. Mm. And yet also there are points where I'm like Ben Platt is closer to the women who've had menopause in this movie. But then also there are times that he looked like all the high schoolers look like stalker Channing. Like I just yeah. don't even get it. You it's just stalker Channing now, not stalker Channing in Greece. <laughs> even stalker Channing in Greece. But yeah, <laughs> maybe now too. It, it's funny because you just said so much stuff that I want to save till when we're talking. I was about to say we'll, we will be digging in in more but, detail later. But but everything you just talked about is something I, I need to hit on. But what I, I just want to say about this fucking movie first is, <laughs> I mean, you know how they talk about like movies like Gravity and The Revenant, and even to a degree, uh, Fury Road as being like experiences. They're not just. They're not just a movie with a narrative. They're like a thing that happens to you. Right. This movie is a thing that happens to you. I feel assaulted by this. <laughs> like, I, man, uh, you know, fuck you guys for making me watch this. Fuck podcasting for existing. <laughs> fuck movie making for existing. Fuck music for existing. I hate everything that led me to watch it. <laughs> Let me tell like, you, it, I, I, I was this close on Friday. I was getting cold feet to just bailing and doing Rescue Rangers instead of this, and I'm so fucking glad that I didn't. I knew you were about to do this, and at that point, I had watched all for all but 20 minutes of this movie, and I was going to fucking riot. <laughs> if I had watched this movie for anything but content, I, I don't know how I would have handled it. Definitely worse than Transformers. The thing... I See, I didn't know about the reaction to this. I remember our reaction to the... Uh, to the preview, but I thought maybe that might just be because we were a bunch of dudes. But I, I didn't really know how people reacted to this, but watching this, I just had to wonder, like people like Amy Adams and Julianne Moore, who are very talented people, like at what point during the production of this did they realize that this was going to be awful? And just <laughs> how miserable was that to continue? Yeah, I wonder about that for Ben Platt. Right, no, definitely that dude more than Fuck any. No. That that dude had every opportunity to not be in this movie, I imagine. But again, they, that's they made it happen. I want to talk about when we get into specifics because yeah, there were too. some things I really had to say shitty about him, and then when I looked into it, they weren't true. Uh, yeah, I will. We're gonna talk about that too. Yeah, hurt. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that in the last year or two that you had gotten kind of your first exposure to musicals as a whole before we did this because it seems like most of the ones that you've watched up until now have been pretty good uh and it's important for you to know that they're not all like this <laughs> well i would that was basically going to be my closer but i'll go ahead and say it now this movie has done undone all your hard work <laughs> like all these musicals i've watched for the podcast that made me think oh maybe bot musicals are okay this is everything <laughs> i will say i will say in the defense of that you know, something like Cats that we watched, which, you know, pretty much people universally thought of as bad. I still can't call bad because I had a good experience in watching it. I think even in its badness, it was a fun ride. And I had I had fun with the bad parts and I enjoyed its over the topness. This is this is not that this isn't this is a joyless kind of bad. 
I mean, look, I was taking pleasure in anticipating talking about it. That was most of my fun in watching it. Uh, yeah, I watched it with Kate, who Kate's a big has read the book and is the person who turned me on to the music. And <laughs> she's sitting behind me. She said she turns me on a lot. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> she cried during the movie. And no. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. And where? But, hold, listen, listen, hold on. Uh, and she still said she'd rather watch Cats again at the end of it. Oh, man. So, you know, that's, that's not I, a high endorsement for this. No, no, I not mean, at all. It's it's her version of Better or Worse than Transformers. Yeah. I, you know, I, I again, we'll talk about it more in specifics. I cannot fault how earnest it is. Like, it really does go for the emotional beats. I just don't know if that was the best idea. I mean, we can, we have to talk about this specifics, but we can fault them for their earnestness as far as the kind of emotional beats they're trying to be earnest about because it's played like absolutely unironically and it absolutely should have some amount of, I don't know if irony is the right word, but criticism or, or something, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, do we want to go ahead? I don't know if there is such a thing as spoilers for this fucking movie, but do we want to go ahead? Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and get into spoilers because I want to follow that up with talking about the main thing I'm talking about this, which is when we watched the trailer for this, I made a joke about if you would have just started this trailer, the trailer with like a Smash Mouth song, this would have looked like a great trailer for like a teen comedy. Yeah. And really, honestly, this movie should have been a teen comedy. It should be a comedy of some kind <laughs> it like it like so much has the structure of like a set of of like you know a person who was on saturday night live bringing their character to screen type movie where you know you're introduced to a person and they're kind of a loser and they get into some sort of misunderstanding or lie where they're thought to be something that they're not and at first it's the best of intentions and then it just grows and grows and grows uh-huh. until they're finally outed. And if they would have just replaced some of the super earnest singing with a few dick and fart jokes, I think this movie could have killed. Well, this guy definitely has a face for comedy. That is true. Uh, I was actually thinking more instead of a teen comedy. They reminded me so much of, of a Seinfeld episode because it's the same kind of thing where it's, it's, you know, a lie or a misunderstanding just continues to snowball out of control and like, well, again, like ludicrously uh, unbelievable ways. <laughs> right. What? Well, uh, and when, you know, like when Kristen Christian uh, compared it to The Office, it's like it's just as cringy as something oh, like for that. Sure. But it never plays any of those cringes for laughs. No, it's it's just you know supposed to make you feel miserable for this dude, and I, I don't. It, they just don't land the emotions. I don't think. So 100%. There's one big change here that to your point hurt is so in the show, Connor stays present like that's his Evans morality, right? Like right. in personified and Connor is talking. Also, Jared is a much bigger character who's comedic relief. He's making right. jokes about it the whole time and stuff like that. And they cut both of those parts and part of it the motivation there was like, oh, Elena shares the same problems as Evan. And we really want to highlight that relationship. But it it, it doesn't you have to make jokes to relieve the cringe right. of the story. And right. they don't. And so it just keeps doubling down. 
You're at the <laughs> roulette table and you keep losing and you just keep throwing more chips out there. And I think the other issue with that, it it looks this is what really kills me is like it looks like it was inspired by those teen comedy. Like some of the yeah. shots right. absolutely are like it's the front of the big rich kid's house. There's about to be a party in the backyard and we never get to the party. We get mom's shitty apple pie. But why did we get the shot of the front of the house that looks like there's a teen party going to happen in the backyard? Like it just it looks like cinematography wise like it was filmed that way do we know anything about the author of this did he maybe watch one of those like 80s titty comedies like too young and didn't realize that it was funny and traumatized him dude probably but i don't know but that seems dead on i will say that the director of this movie the only other thing that he's known for is uh the perks of being a wallflower as far as i know uh which makes a lot of fucking sense he's definitely got a, a demographic he's shooting for Right. right, right. <laughs> a very narrow demographic. Well, so uh, speaking of the comedy, I mentioned this when we first talked about Dear Evan Hansen well, fucking months ago, uh, because I didn't really know much about the plot of this movie. The plot of this movie is exactly the fucking same as the Robin Williams movie, World's Greatest Dad. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, instead of a, a bully, I don't know, bullied relationship, it's a, it's a father son relationship. Uh, and when the son commits suicide, he writes like a suicide letter that inspires people. And then he keeps writing shit to pretend like his son was better than he was because the son was a huge piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> and unlike unlike this movie, like it's it's an absolute black comedy. Uh, and like, I mean, they play it up every single time that it continues to ramp up in intensity to the point where, you know, it's just like it's, it's just Robin Williams's conflict between like. I've, I've desperately been wanting this affirmation as an author, but it's just destroying my soul. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, I mean, it, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a movie for everyone because it's very dark, uh, but I do think it like gets the emotional beats of this situation that are funny in a really dark way. Right. Uh, so yeah. And, and that movie came out before this fucking musical, I think, or at least definitely before this movie. Uh, it came out in like 2009, 2010. Uh, so I think that's before this. View. So it's weird to me that it's like they had something to draw on. Like, obviously, you somebody in the writing process was like, hey, this is a lot like this other thing. Should we look at that and make sure it's not too much like that or maybe learn from it? And they're like, right, it's fine. We got it. Right. <laughs> anyway, for anybody listening to this, if you haven't already watched Dear Evan Hansen, don't unless you just want to do it. Go watch World's Greatest Dead. It's better. Unless unless you can figure out a way to turn it into a drinking game. <laughs> that's the only argument I can think of for this movie. Like there's no, I don't think that there's any like, you know, taking drugs or syncing it up with Pink Floyd or anything that people try to do with shitty movies to try to like appreciate them in a good way. I just don't know if that's there unless you can find a way to turn this into a way to get really drunk. It's fair enough. One thing I wanted to talk about the music sucks, right? Well, I wanted to talk about that. Because it, it definitely feels really repetitive to me. And I know that in musicals, like repeating themes are part of it. But this didn't feel like repeating themes. It just felt like the same melodies over and over. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of or a believer in that you can't really judge a musical the first time around just because, you know, the whole point of music is repetition. And you don't really get a feel for it until you like hear it one or two or three or four times. That being said, I mean, there's it, it's very like. It's a very poppy style, right? Uh, the songs, and I'd say like two of them, though I can't remember which two are like 
I don't, you know, I don't know. They're pretty like boppable. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the rest of them were particularly memorable. See, it's not even just that, though, that I'm talking about. I like the songs like on the original Broadway album or whatever. But like for him specifically, right? Like all the song, all the Evan songs live somewhere between falsetto and whispery John Mayer voice. And yes. I don't think as Ben Platt approaches 30, he's able to do both anymore. Like <laughs> it's just uh, like I don't feel like the singing or the mixing is particularly good. I tend to remember uh, Amy Adams being a pretty good singer in Enchanted, but like, yeah, she's not good I, in this. She sounds like shit in this yeah. movie. Um, and I think her song came must have came about after she realized shit sucked. She, <laughs> she puts nothing into it. Uh, there are a few times where I swear Ben Platt hits the wrong note. I am positive, <laughs> and they just like, well, fuck it, we're not gonna fix it, right? So, man, I mean, I think we need to talk about the thing that this movie really hinges on and probably why it fails. And this is going to be mean, but Ben Platt's face. <laughs> I don't know if that's what this movie hinges on, but I, it is it is a major barrier. Well, I mean, just on a couple levels. First of all, the halfway through watching this, my main thought was, man, this movie would be easier to digest if they would have gotten other like people in their thirties to play teens with. Sure. So it didn't look like he was a weird, damp guidance counselor every time he was talking to these guys. But then I started looking at all their age. They're all basically the same age. Isn't that fucking wild? It's fucking crazy. I was so the the most uncomfortable I felt in this whole movie, which is saying something because the whole movie is uncomfortable is like, (laughs) The, the romance song between Ben Platt and Caitlin Deaver. Right. And I was like, ooh, this is like, I don't like any of this on screen. They're fucking three years apart, which is insane. It is so insane. because They look looks- like they're 20 fucking years apart. <laughs> I, know. I know. She looks like a high schooler and he looks like a guy like pushing 40 from Saturday Night Live. 100%. Also, how can someone's eyes both be too big and beady? <laughs> I his his just they were just big and wet and Disney like, but also too small for his face somehow. I hope this dude never hears this. I, I I don't want him to feel bad about himself, but goddamn, they really. I guess it wasn't an age thing. They just should have. They should have casted some other weird looking. 30 year olds trying to be teenagers who didn't pull it off. There's pl- there's plenty of people who could sing these songs. I feel like it was pure. I mean, look, I don't know. Maybe the studio was like, we need the original cast, but they don't right. really because most of them are not the original cast. So, you know, like why I, to me, it's an ego thing, but I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that Ben Flat like forced his way into this movie. Right. Yeah. There were plenty of other people who could have played the part. Absolutely. I feel no allegiance to that guy. So whatever. <laughs> so was, was the guy who played Connor also from the original? I don't know? think so. I okay, so he's up. also different. I like. There are so many fucking things about this movie. We don't have time to do any. Like, <laughs> this could, this could be the next three weeks of our podcast. There is a guy you knew in high school who you definitely were afraid were was going to shoot up the school at some point. Uh, if you didn't know somebody like that, I don't believe that you went to public school. Right, one hundred percent. But it was not that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he both had. He was both dressed too nice, and his hair was too put in place for that to be the case for that guy. 
right. Uh, there was there was one picture of him like at his like memorial where it's like him like glowering at the camera in like a jean shirt. It was like, oh, that's closer. You're definitely like going the right direction here. Right. Uh, but I did I did not buy that guy. Is like I'm. Everybody knows I'm the crazy guy because I know people who with worse personalities than that who look like that who have girlfriends. Dude, one hundred that that's very funny, Joseph. Because there was. There was an exact guy from high school that I knew they were trying to portray, but they were not landing. Yeah, yeah. One thing I, I thought about all these kids, both him and Evan Hansen, is what were these kids so depressed about with their huge fucking rooms? <laughs> like their rooms were bigger than my house. Yeah, yeah. Fuck these kids and their problems. Uh, Hollywood's not good at, at portraying poor people. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, 100%. We're supposed to believe that Evan Hansen and his mom are really poor and they live in a fucking mansion. I know it. <laughs> That's like 2,000 square feet at least. Right. Yeah, so uh, the only thing that, the only two things I wanted to talk about left are one is totally a joke and one is serious. But while we're on the t- subject of Connor, if your 12-year-old is reading Kurt Vonnegut, yeah, you probably should fucking be watching them. Like, right. that's not like what 12 year olds should be reading. Like, no, and, and no disrespect to Kurt Vonnegut, but like, no, no, like I, fucking wait till you're 16, you know? More no. importantly, what 12 year old is reading fucking John Grisham? the only other thing i wanted to say though is ready player one is on that list and like thank god connor committed suicide before ready player two came out uh number two i i hope you're okay if that's the episode full (laughs) (laughs) number two is (laughs) the biggest difference between this and the in the musical is that uh Evan never admits it in the musical. He just lets it go. And to me, that makes way more fucking sense. Because if the guy does go online and say he does it, you are, he's definitely going to get abused to the point where he commits suicide. And that's not a joke. That's being serious. The Internet's a dark place. You don't get away with saying that shit without the Internet making you commit suicide. Dude, that's so funny, man, because one of the things I was going to say about the end of this movie is I've always wanted to see a movie with this structure where they don't come clean, where they just decide it's better for everybody to just stick with the lie. And this movie would have been better if they would have done that. The whole cycle of like the plot of this movie from, I guess it's the memorial school convention, whatever it is from the start to the end, make no fucking sense to me. So, you know, the the, the whole bit is, is fucking Evan Hansen goes viral for his uh, well that's the thing either a speech or a song it's unclear how it's portrayed in social media uh to other people presumptively it's not a song because that sounds insane but it's also not clear to the rest of us which one it is but if it's just a fucking story like it's just telling a story it's just a dude talking about him and his fucking 17 year old friend climbing a fucking tree what that went viral Right. <laughs> what are we talking about? Right. It's right. not even a particularly good story. Right. It's not even a passively a good story. Right. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, so like it, it's weird. To, like that bit's fucking weird to me. The whole orchard thing is weird to me. There's a whole bit where we're supposed to like, all, what's her name? Aliana, whatever the president girl uh, is like trying to make him feel bad about like not supporting the orchard project enough. And I'm like, bitch, nobody asked for this fucking orchard. You're the only one who gives a goddamn shit about this orchard. Right. I mean, that is the other thing. I think when the dude did come clean, everybody should have been like, you know what, man? We kind of made this happen. 
<laughs> like, you know, like we, like there was nothing about this that was fucking believable or even interesting. We just wanted to make it a thing. Yeah. We just kind of apologize to like what it is. And also it's weird to me that like, I don't understand. First off, just as a small note, when Evan gives the uh, the original letter, the Dear Evan Hansen letter to Aliana, first off, there's no reason for him to do that. I don't understand how that supports his case. And two, he doesn't even explain that that's like the note that was found on Connor's body. So there's no explanation for why this fucking thing matters at all, which uh, is just oversight as far as the script writing, I feel like. But I don't understand how that incriminates the family any more than anything else that would have happened up to this point. You know, like, how is that the point where social media decided to, to turn against the family as, like, the cause of, of Connor's problems? I just, one of the things that really annoyed me, and I mean, like, the, the movie does fucking gymnastics, like, circus-level, Cirque du Soleil kind of gymnastics to kind of, I don't know if exonerate, but, you know, just kind of pull away blame from Evan Hansen for any of the shit that he's doing, any of the lies that he's telling. Uh, but the worst one I feel like is, uh, you know, right towards the end, which I think is supposed to be an important emotional beat where they portray like him as also being suicidal at some point. Right. Uh, and it's like, oh, okay, he's done all these bad things, but he's also suicidal. And I'm just like, motherfucker, that does not do anything for your case. That's, well, but that's- also that was one of those things where from the very beginning, it was just so obvious that, oh, we're heading towards a reveal about the cast and the cast is, and the reveal is that really he tried to harm himself. Yeah. And it, to me, to me, this is like the suicide version of, hey, man, like, I've got a lot of black friends uh, and I was just like, it just does not work for me. It, anyway. it also is what kind of a loser tries to commit suicide by falling, jumping out of a not very high tree. Yeah. That no was wonder my this thought. guy was bullied. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have the arm strength to get higher. Uh, yeah. I also, this movie, I, I will admit, but I, I know we've stopped talking about, but one more thing I will admit that, about 45 minutes into it, I stopped paying really close attention. And so when it came to the part where, you know, she was confronting him about the letter and she was about to post it online, I didn't realize everybody didn't know about the letter. I thought everyone knew about the letter and that's why this whole thing was going. So when that happened, I was like, why is this a big fucking deal? It's, it's a weird movie. It's terrible. I just want to say I at one point did want to make a joke about him sucking at suicide so much, <laughs> but I'm glad you did it for me. Hurt. I say the same here. I also I wrote it down. I was like, eh, I don't know how tasteful this is. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen, worse than Transformers. I, you know, one one last thing I'll say about it. Uh, you know, I think the ending was supposed to be ambiguous. You know, the ending's supposed to be like, oh, we don't know whether Evan's going to get it together or not. And maybe him and the girl will, you know, find some middle ground or maybe they want that movie had a happy end. And I, I have old Jay who has very little bits of wisdom to impart on the young. But if there's any young people out there listening, let me tell you something for sure that any girl that shows up to meet you wearing a sundress is giving you the all clear that sex is going to happen. <laughs> That's that's why you don't that's why you don't see the sundress very much. The sundress is typically a garment for people who have not had sex yet, but are going to soon. (laughs) 
So that's that. That's the only positive thing I can think of for this movie that you out there can get that lesson. Look, I have more things to say about this movie, but I can't top that. That's the best way to end no. this. Yeah. <laughs> we so may have to end the podcast after that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's dear Evan Hansen. Worse than Transformers. Please don't watch it. <laughs> Definitely. I would say worse than everything, but I still think I of the things we reviewed for the podcast, I still think I hated Wonder Woman 84 worse. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, well, cool. That's Evan Hansen. Uh, what have we been watching this past week, guys? Uh, I'm going to talk about a thing I haven't talked about in a while. Critical Role. Hey. <laughs> uh not just about Critical Role, but the experience I had watching Critical Role, which is I'm now in Pacific Standard Time, oh. which means on Thursday night at 7 p.m., I sat down in my chair with a beer and I watched all of Critical Role in one night and I was in bed at 1045. And that is the shit I deserve. That is <laughs> what I want in life. That is great. Uh, very enjoyable experience to watch it at a normal hour. This campaign, I, I can't really tell where the general public is, mostly because I hate Critical Role Twitter. But it's the worst. I really like it. Um, it's got a ghost moon. It's got a uh, Mad Max gangs. It's got a dungeon crawl in like a roadside tourist trap. It's got what is essentially the one ring. It's got all sorts of shit that I just find funny and amusing and would never think to put in a D&D game. And Matt did it and it's seamless and beautiful and perfect. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's going on hiatus for a month for a new thing that I think should be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, Critical Role Campaign 3, worth your time, better than Transformers. So, I, so I, I thought you were trying to say worse than Transformers and you just stumbled on your words. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely it's better than Transformers. Uh, you know, it, we've talked about this, I mean, a long time ago now, but, uh, you know, this campaign seems like it's been, it's going to make good on something that Matt has been teasing for all three campaigns now, which is now, what, like seven years yeah. of groundwork, uh, which is, I mean, just an incredible long game, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't I don't know if he's got anything that are even like, you know, longer cons than this, but I know this one has been there since, you know, early on in campaign one uh, as, as far as the evil moon. I am I am two episodes behind, so I'm, I'm going to catch up over the next month. Uh, but the uh, yeah, the, so for hurt, I don't actually I'm scared to, to re attempt to get you back on it, but they're doing another uh, kind of spinoff thing that's self-contained. That's about like almost like the Titanic of this universe, but right. on a global scale, you know, it's like a, it's like a known catastrophe. We're jumping in like when the catastrophe is happening and just kind of seeing like whatever it's going on. But uh, I like the cast. The, the DM is Brennan Lee Mulligan who does dimension 20, who I also really like. Uh, so I'm hoping it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Right. On that note, I would also say if you haven't seen the Brennan Lee Mulligan rant on Game Changers, it, it changes your life. It, it, it is my favorite piece of the Internet right now. I it has it been like for a while uh, for 100 percent. I'm right there. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you fucking do. That's it. Cool. All right. Well, I got lots to talk about this week. I'm uh, excited. Uh, first of all, I started watching, I've watched like three episodes of a, of a show on Hulu called Under the Banner of Heaven, which I've shortened to calling the Mormon Murders. You know, current fave, uh, uh, Andrew Garfield stars at a, as a Mormon detective in a Mormon community investigating Mormon murders. And it's, it's dark, but it is pretty fucking great. It's exactly 
the kind of show I keep saying I'm tired of, but it's, you know, it's good. It's a, it's a murder mystery told out over a season. I, I will say, I, I'm sure it's, it actually is good, but Mormon Detective sounds like a 30 Rock skit. It does, totally. 100%. Uh, oh, man, that was the one you knew you was just right in my pocket. <laughs> uh, initially, when you, when you get into it, you immediately think, well, I know who did this because there's a famous person that I recognize that isn't the main character. But then later on, you realize, oh, there's another more famous person. He's just not as immediately recognizable. So, uh, so it doesn't give itself away immediately. But I, so far, I recommend this movie. Better, I mean, this uh, series better than Transformers. Uh, also, Joseph, have yep. you watched Severance? No. Joseph, this is so much your shit. Okay. This fucking show, if they just turn the dialogue off and played Radioheads and everything in its right place <laughs> over and over on repeat, it would, ma- it would be the exact same story. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, look, that sounds like uh, a show for Joseph five years ago and less as much for Joseph right now, but I probably still would like it. I think you'd still dig it. Okay. It's um, Adam Scott plays a guy who has a job where the premise of the job is to get the job, you have to undergo a medical procedure where you do not remember your personal life at work and you do not remember your work life at home which means your work person is trapped at work forever. Mm-hmm. He has no life outside of it. Uh, it is pretty fucking bleak. I think there's something a little phony about it. The Apple's putting it out like, you know, because obviously <laughs> it has a lot to say about corporate work life and like yeah. their shit isn't exactly like that, you know? Uh, but I think it also is trying to maybe say something about education. Maybe that Adam Scott should should fix his life instead of altering his brain, which, uh, you know, I do not agree with at this moment. I just got super into Zoloft. Zoloft, better than Transformers. Uh, but I still think it's a pretty good show. I, you know, I don't know if I, I, it's not something I can power through. It's pretty fucking bleak. But it's got John Turturro in it. It's got Christopher Walken in it. Uh, it's a good show. Uh, I know the cast is really good. The main two things I want to talk about, though, which are things for you guys, uh, I started watching Attack on Titan. Hey! Hey! Uh, I'm about, uh, I think, about 15 episodes in. And yeah, this shit's better than Transformers. Absolutely. It's a great first episode, right? It hooks you. Oh, 100%. I will say, I expected it to be gruesome in, you know, giants mauling people. I did not understand the giants were going to be gleefully eating people. Uh, and that shit is disturbing to watch. <laughs> it's, it's particularly disturbing when the giant is just like a balding guy with a mustache. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure there's a point they're trying to make with that, and I'll get it as time goes on. But right now, it just upsets me. Yeah, this is a really good show. This is probably the closest ex- experience to watching Game of Thrones I've had since watching Game of Thrones. Uh, Sarah does not dig it. She oh, calls no. it Attack on Dum Dum. <laughs> and uh, which I think is a better title. So That's I pretty good. Attack on Dum Dum. Whenever I'm about to watch it, I say I'm about to watch Attack on Dum Dum. Uh, but yeah, I I I fucking dig this show a, a lot. I had hoped to be done with the first season before I talked about it, but you know, life. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, I watched the first two episodes of uh, Star Trek: Bray, uh, Bray, uh, Strange New Worlds, and god damn, is this my shit? Yeah, it's so good. I it's three fucking for three. love it so yeah. much. It's 
it's catnip for Jehu. It's exactly what I wanted. I want a Star Trek week-to-week procedural, and that is exactly what this is. Uh, the the leads in it are particularly good. Uh, Anton Mounts as, as Christopher Pike is totally playing Kirk. He's just 100% playing Kirk, and I am fine with that. The guy is Scott. Spock is great. Uh, Rebecca Burnham's Tamus is really good in it. I'm still growing to love some of the uh, some of the B cast, but hopefully they'll land that more as it goes on. But yeah, even the second episode is kind of slow, and I even loved that. Like, yeah, some of these should be kind of slow. You yeah. know, that's Star Trek. Some of them are slow burners. Uh, yeah, I fucking love this shit. I I cannot recommend it highly enough. If you're not watching it, it is. Uh, it's a different experience than almost anything you're watching on TV because you can just watch an episode and be done with it. Yeah, it's legitimately great. And uh, I'm happy you're enjoying it. The, I, I, I do have a question for you. Okay. I know you're not caught up on Picard, but I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but there is a con tease in Picard. And oh, wow. the fact that Strange New Worlds includes a con descendant do you think there's going to be a storyline there do you think that there's no way they come across like the botany bay right like because that just wouldn't make any sense but what do you there's got to be something i was thinking about the botany bay and i was also thinking about harry mudd and i was thinking both those things probably can't happen because of spock's involvement you know like spock can't know about those things before he knows about those things I mean, Harry Mudd's in Discovery, but I guess Spock is not on the cast at that point. Right. Exactly. Uh, I do think that maybe we might be leading towards some sort of crossover of some sort of like, you know, of course, this is a shared universe, but some sort of story that maybe takes place on all three, even though they're in different time periods. So maybe that could be how it's done. Oh, shit. Through the, you know, sort of con thing. Um. But yeah, I like this a lot. Also, a thing I was really thinking about while watching it, you know, used to when you were doing like week to week Star Trek, really all you had to do is come up with a couple new costumes, paint a new background, and there's your world. It must be hard work making a new world for every fucking episode with this level of detail. So props to these guys. No, I love it. It's great. Yeah. great. Oh, what did you think of the Kirk reveal? I, I was totally because I knew that Kirk had already been cast. So I was like, oh, shit, here it comes. And when it's just some guy with a mustache, I was <laughs> yeah. like, what, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was good. I thought that was a good rope it up. Yeah. 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 Is that it? That's it for me. Yeah. All right. A couple things for me. Uh, as as promised to Christian last night, I watched Top Gun uh, in, in yeah. anticipation of, of the Top Gun Maverick coming out in, what is it, two weeks? Week two? Uh, thing comes out Friday. Oh, fucking this Friday. Damn. Oh, right on. Wild. You know, it's it's a movie I've seen many times, mostly on TV. The thing that I noticed watching like the full thing on Netflix is that the theatrical cut feels like a TV edit. If that makes sense. Right. It feels like they were like, we cut some bits for time, but you'll figure it out. Like you get the general idea. Right. Right, uh, right. And that's, that's pretty much how the whole movie is. There's, there's kind of like a weird frenetic editing to like scene to scene to scene in this movie. But that said, it's still great. It's great. I feel like in spite of that, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Almost all of the scenes in it, besides maybe the last third are just like iconic. It's a fun time. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's a weird thing with movies. A, a lot of movies from that era that are from the time where, you know, before home video was really a thing. So people didn't watch movies over and over that they still just expected you. Ah, eh, you'll put it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's weird. I think that might be Back a Tony then, Scott they thing. they explained it more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are so many movies that I've seen more times than Top Gun, like Ghostbusters, clearly my favorite. The Lion King, Back to the Future. I've seen those north of 100 times. There's no movie cooler than Top Gun for Christian <laughs> Jones. It's the coolest fucking movie. Every scene is cool. There's not. A, I mean, yeah, Goose dies every time you watch it. And it's sad every time. But right. it's just it just fucking oozes cool. It's just yeah. it, I love that movie so much. Yeah, I, I mean, is this, if that's coming out this weekend, is that what we're going to do? Well, well, I want to talk about that. There are a couple options I want to talk about for next week. And then uh, besides Top Gun, I also watched the Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch with my wife this weekend or last weekend, really. And it's good. All all Wes Anderson shit is better than Transformers. Yeah. Um, You know, it's obviously I am the very, I don't know if they're very specific demographic, but there are not many people like me that don't like Wes Anderson. (laughs) I guess is a better way to put it. So I'm 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 primed to be on board with it, but I just think all of his movies are a delight. I always think he's kind of underrated for being kind of treated like being this niche, quirky twee director when he's got a very like such a, a distinct voice. But you know what? We don't give shit to Tarantino either. So I guess we don't right. give the shit to Wes Anderson. Right. But it's a great time. It's really, really fun. Uh, I know you you've seen it also hurt. Correct. I have. And I loved it. I, yeah. I think I told this when I saw it before, but I was out of town and I saw it on a projector that I could tell was an honest to God film projector. And that was just, you know, like, of course, you know, <laughs> like that was just like that was that was so added to that experience. But yeah, I, I liked this movie a whole lot. Yeah. Speaking of being in a movie theater to, to the point of, of Top Gun, I like the fact that I can watch trailers whenever. But mm-hmm. movie trailers really are meant to be watched in a movie theater. Because there are so many times that I like, I see it, you know, when one of you guys send it to me on my phone and then I catch it in the theater like, oh, this hits totally different. And no, nowhere was that more apparent than for the Top Gun Maverick trailer where I was right. like, this looks fine. And then I went in the theater like, this looks fucking cool. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That I, I mean, I can't say it better than you just said it. It, it, <laughs> it was a completely different. When you sent it to me on the phone, it's like, yeah, this looks cool. It's nostalgic. I want to see this and seeing it, it's like. This is going to be the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I love about it so much is that apparently, you know, they've sat on it for two years. Like it was supposed to yeah, come yeah, out no, like absolutely. May of 2020. But Tom Cruise was like, you will not fucking put this on Paramount yeah, yeah, Plus. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, I will never make another movie. For-. And Paramount is his entire career now. He, he's right. one of the few actors that can do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. You will not do it. They yeah. need to see it in a theater. And a hundred percent, he's fucking right. He Thank is right. you, Tom I, Cruise. I can't wait to go see that shit in IMAX. Yeah. But yeah, that's it for me. So talking about next week, I, I had three different options and I was gonna see which ones you guys wanted to go with. I say Rescue Rangers, because I've watched it and it's incredible. Rescue Rangers was gonna be uh, on my list. So the three things that I think are both of interest to us and probably the people that listen to us, because presumably they have Similar tastes to us. Rescue Rangers, which is the most available because it's on Disney Plus, which I didn't know. Uh, Top Gun, because apparently that's shit's coming out this week. But also, there's a new Alex Garland movie out called Men uh, that's in theaters, at least it's in theaters here now, that I can't imagine that Christian and I aren't going to want to talk about. Man, I love Alex Garland so much. I know. When we have to talk about that at some point. So I'm, I'm good with any of those three. 
I, there's no way I'm going to be able to get out of the house to go see men, though. OK, uh, right. My wife knows my relationship with Top Gun, so I can probably make that one happen. But, but it doesn't I mean, come out till Friday. So yeah. let's do Rescue Rangers. Rangers. I'm more excited about seeing Top Gun, but also I think Top Gun's just going to be 45 minutes of us going, wouldn't this cool? And wasn't that cool? So Rescue Rangers might be a better podcast. All right. The next week, Rescue Rangers, then we'll we'll go from there. Sounds great. Yep. Uh, well, that's it for uh, for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us about, I've already forgotten what we actually did today. Oh, yeah, Dear Evan Hansen. Don't fucking watch it. But if you have feelings about Dear Evan Hansen, uh, reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later. <laughs>